my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends. Uh, Porch Report 329, The Great Global Story. This is the greatest story of all time. It's the greatest threat to you, the threat to your family, and the greatest threat to your local community. Now, uh... Before I get into this, I have to apologize. I'm getting this out just a little bit late today, so thank you for bearing with me. Uh, took a little bit to kind of pull this one together. I think that what we need is less talk and more action, but we really need to get clear on what kind of action we need to be taking. How do we stem the tide? How do we withstand the relentless onslaught of woke propaganda and you know useful idiots integrating into every aspect of society? <laughs> that The thing is... For more than 25 years, the United Nations has been building out its capacity for strategic communication. This organization, the UN, and I, I mean, it has so many different sections, you know, in conjunction with hundreds of global NGOs and myriad other public private partnerships, they've developed a very detailed plan for infiltrating the media, for infiltrating academia, for infiltrating civil society with this infectious collective mentality. And their concerted effort to coordinate global communications has given rise to the great narrative that is currently driving the great Reset. It's all about the story. It's about word choice. It's propaganda, psyops, and all of that. But it comes down to the story and, and the, uh, the way that those stories get communicated. So back in 1997, as I was doing some research for this uh, report, I found this, this report. It was put out by the UN Task Force on the Reorientation of Public Information Activities. It birthed the report, The Global Vision local voice, global vision, local voice. Now, among the many other objectives integrated into this, this report, the global vision, local voice report, they, they aim to integrate an activist media strategy. So that was their words. 25 years ago, they say we're going to integrate an activist media strategy into the 24-hour news cycle in order to, quote, influence opinion and policy worldwide, end quote. Now, there's nothing novel about that except the fact that they had it written down. That was their plan. And this, the whole report was based on how are they going to do this? How are they going to use activist media strategies, you know, this proactive media manipulation that's been shaping the global agenda for several decades now? The goal was not only to make news, but to alter the definition of what news was. And, you know, fast forward, of course, you know, I'd never read this report before. I didn't realize what they're up to. I've more recently come across the, the effort to immunize humanity against misinformation and to control emerging public perceptions. They've said that. That's their words, not mine. But here, 25 years ago, in this Global Vision Local Voice report, is they're talking about not just making the news, but altering the definition of what news is. And I see that as kind of the conceptual predecessor to what we're dealing with now, the algorithmic social interventions and such. And when talking about what's happening at city council or at the county level, what's happening in our local communities, when we realize that 25 years ago, they put together a task force to figure out how to incorporate the globalist vision 
into local policies through local voices, we start to realize, wow, Zoics, this is what, you know, this is what we're up against here. Okay. According to the report, this has resulted in the culmination of decades-long processes which have effectively produced, this is a direct quote, which have effectively produced significant changes in perception and consciousness, leaving a lasting impact on the course of global policymaker. Now, period, end quote. Think about what that means. They've used the infiltration into the 24-hour news cycle to influence opinion and policy, but more than that, they've produced significant changes in perception and consciousness, leaving a lasting impact on, on the public at large. The globalists, i.e. the commie cabal, the commies are taking over the world! You know, they've, they've been actively manipulating public perception, not only by making news, but by defining what news is and literally altering human consciousness with carefully crafted propaganda that's designed to stimulate significant changes in what people focus on and what people care about. Now, with the the advent of all the 21st century technology, because 1997, they didn't have advanced AI and censorship and all that. Now we've got the ASI, the algorithmic social interventions, the sentinel surveillance, et cetera. Now they have the tools to manipulate the public in ways that are nearly incomprehensible. But I think it's really important that we comprehend just how uh, long they've been planning this systematic infiltration and capturing of the narrative. Uh, In the report, the Global Vision Local Voice Report, they talk about using a group of attractive and articulate young global leaders and telegenic uh, spokespersons, telegenic, you know, you got to look on on TV. And these are the people that the UN media services have been deploying to push what they call wedge issues. And by using these attractive, articulate, telegenic spokesperson to push wedge issues, they force action. They get people, they have to respond. People are getting all fired up and bought into, uh, social issues emotionally, that forces action. The policymakers have to deal with all the protests and all of that. And these wedge issues that are being pushed out there are being pushed in overlapping sequential campaigns that comes straight out of the report. It's an overlapping sequential campaign of the progressive agenda. So when you think about the environmental agenda, you think about the LGBTQ agenda, the gun control agenda, all of that, these are overlapping sequential campaigns that they've been pushing and and orchestrating, coordinating for decades. And Part of this strategy, not just to push their ideas and these these wedge issues, part of the strategy is to correct misinformation. That's what they said 25 years ago. We got to correct misinformation. I mean, we need to make sure that the UN's narrative is elevated in the news cycle to displace any competing interpretations of global events. So they realize, you know, people are hearing different stories, they're interpreting these stories different ways, so they need to correct the misinformation, make sure that people aren't getting the wrong interpretation of the way they they want people to think about things. And if you take all of this together, friends, it serves to bolster the global story, which is the underpinning philosophy of the great narrative. 
the you know the great narrative so cleverly articulated by Klaus Schwab and his own harem of young global leaders. By the way, there's a new crop of young global leaders out there. I did put the link in the report today, Young Global Leaders 2022. I would like to dig into that in a separate report. If you start to look at these people's connections to the progressive agenda, agenda to the eugenics agenda, it's incredible. Uh, but but the gist of the global story as a whole is that we're all in this together. You know, global problems require global solutions. And the only way to protect human rights and ensure, ensure equality is via global governance. And this is all based on the promotion of assumptions, uh, the, the assumptions of common values. To, uh, to quote the great narrative here, quote, once enough people agree on a set of common values, we can then start working collectively to make the required changes, period, end quote. You know, in order to get to a communist society where we've consolidated all of the power and the control into the hands of the, the uh, money-grubbing global elites, you know, we just need to get everybody to agree on common values. And the values are couched in stories. That's the narrative, okay? But they are promoting this assumption that all around the world we share common values. Why does that matter? It matters because if you, th you think about the way that American values have changed over the last few decades. You know, our culture has shifted from valuing hard work and self-determination to, you know, the values of uh, entitlement and equality. You know, we've shifted from propri propriety and self-restraint to self-indulgence and instant gratification. Uh, it really, in more ways than can be listed, friends, what it means to be an American based on traditional American values has been radically transformed into a completely unrecognizable conglomeration of woke ideology. It's a bunch of BS, but people believe it. They believe and hold dear different values now than just yesteryear, a few years ago. Uh, this is the direct result of the globally coordinated overlapping sequential campaigns that leverage wedge issues to significantly alter public perception and consciousness, which in turn translates into lasting impact on local policy. Remember, those are their words, not mine. We could put it differently and say that by changing the story, they have shifted the focus and where the focus goes, the energy flows. So they get people talking about, you know, uh, you know, race, it's all the race baiting, it's class warfare and all of that, you know, that gets people's focus on that. And then the energy goes on that. People campaign on that and that pushes public policy. But now the story is we're all global citizens in a global story. COVID really, the COVID-19, the great reset, that was the resetting of global perspective. We're all in it together. When, when the whole world is being ravaged by the invisible enemy, we have to stand together. And now local policies must align with the global agenda in order to advance the greater good. I mean, that you have to get locked down in your home because otherwise we're going to threaten global you know, public safety or uh, global public health and safety. And the fact that this premise of global problems and global solutions, it's very seldom challenged. The fact that this premise is very seldom challenged, I believe, is a tribute to their success. The idea here is that there is a set of universal values that are agreed upon at the global level. 
Uh, if all the global leaders gather together in Davos or wherever and they affirm these shared values, it is then assumed that the whole of humanity agrees. Of course, every good human being agrees with the globalist agenda because all the global leaders said so. And thus, the global agenda is promoted as if this is the case when, in reality, humanity does not share a universal set of values, regardless of the concerted efforts to convince the public otherwise. There is no universal set of values. Think about it. You know, Does a cartel boss share the same values as a Catholic priest? Does a bombastic billionaire share the same values as a blue-collar worker? Does a Republican share the same values as a Democrat? I mean, the answer is obviously not. No, you know, there is no consensus on these values. The concept of global consensus is a farce. It's an illusion. It is a story that's being told to get people to buy into the globalists' collective vision. That's how it works. The story, oh, we're all in this together. It's a, it's a global problem and global solutions and all that, you know, global values and all that. It, it, it's effective because it preys upon the innate human need to be part of a group. Okay, we are herd animals. We are hackable animals, though we are certainly not soulless hackable animals. But the, the bigger and more powerful the group is, the stronger the pull for individuals to affiliate themselves with a group. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, I'm part of this group. I'm with them, you know? And this, I think, is really a large part of what makes the globalist agenda so appealing to so many people. You know, despite the fact they don't have the peasants' best interest in mind, most of the peasants are like, yeah, I'm with them, man. They're the powerful ones. They're the, they're the woke. They're the right ones. And I think what needs to be emphasized here is how this story has changed over the years. According to the great narrative, there is a toxic sentiment of unfairness that is permeating the public mindset all around the world. Where do you think this toxic sentiment of unfairness comes from? You know, they, they say that this toxic sentiment of unfairness is the cause of political upheaval, but that's a lie. The real root of the global discord actually lies in the story that's being told <laughs> repetitively, relentlessly. The stories that amplify the wedge issues that stir up all of these emotions in other words, uh, you know, the entirely subjective sense of unfairness is being fabricated whole cloth by the global cabal that seeks to divide and conquer us all. But, of course, you probably knew all of that. So let's zoom in a little bit here from the big global level narrative to zoom <laughs> down to the local level. How does this affect us at the local level? What can we do about it? Well, at the local level, for example, the push for the electrification of society, the increasingly absurd environmental policies, these are all rooted in the same set of assumptions. This is just one example. Uh, first, it's, it's assumed that the modern Western lifestyle is unsustainable and destroying the planet. A lot of people buy that assumption. Second, it is assumed that the only way to prevent a planetary crisis is for significant sacrifices to be made. A lot of people buy that assumption. Third, it is assumed that to be a good human, you will happily comply and do your part. And anyone who disagrees should be disparaged, ridiculed, and shamed in the public square, friends. That's the assumption. That's the story. And people believe it. But the point I want to make today 
is that this story is just one of the many overlapping stories, the many overlapping campaigns that are being driven from on high, from the global level down to the local level. The LGBTQ agenda, the women's rights, racial reparations, all of this. It's just a few of the wedge issues being driven. They all have a similar narrative, which is, you know, divide and conquer, but it's positing the government or global governance as the singular viable solution. These ideas behind all of these different agendas, they're couched in compelling, emotionally provocative stories. And that's what's tearing our country apart is everybody's telling different stories and ripping their emotions this way and that. And we're kind of losing (laughs) at that game right now, friends, just to be honest. Uh, But once these globalist fantasies, these collectivist fantasies, these communist, Marxist, socialist fantasies have infected the local community, which they have. It is very difficult to cure the the collective hive mind, the infectious hive mind, this woke mental virus. Okay, it's it's in the local community. We can see it all over because these ideas are being relentlessly pumped through all the media. You know, that that's what's shaping community consciousness and those who accept the premise and accept the underlying assumptions, they are then affiliated in their own minds. They are affiliated with the power and the prestige of the global cabal. Those who reject the collective tenets, you know, those of us who still value the constitution and life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, common sense, logic, rational thinking, you know, we are seen as unintelligent, primitive prudes, you know, that's the story that gets portrayed. And you think about the, you know, the smelly Walmart people, the deplorables, bitter clingers, you know, clinging to their guns and Bible. Think about how disparaging those remarks are. It's because we're a threat to the collective, but they can, they can hold us out there as being lesser than, and the people in our own communities who have been infected by these globalist ideas believe it. And because their ego is affiliated with the globalist agenda, they think they're bigger and better and badder. Though that's not the truth, you know. That's why <laughs> we see the useful liberal, liberal idiots, you know, strut, strutting down the sidewalk. Beautiful sunny day. They've got a mask on their face because they feel superior to the bulk of the community who sees them for the fools that they are. You know, they most people drive by like, what the hell's wrong with you? But in their own mind, they believe, you know, they believe that they're doing the right thing. They're being a good human. And those who believe they are woke, they are no longer free think, thinking individuals. Their mind has been captured. Now they are slaves to the narrative that feeds their ego and stokes that sense of moral superiority. Regardless of how utterly ridiculous the story becomes, they're going to act out the narrative. That's become their role. They're just tools in the hands of the global cabal. So anyway, having having this inflated ego, ultimately it emboldens them to advocate for their cause, does it not? You know, you get these these, you know, woke progressives at the community level and they're they're out there screeching about this and they're screeching about that. But they're advocating on behalf of the collective. It's not their ideas. Now they represent the bigger ideas. They represent the global community. They represent civil society. They represent progress in their collective minds. These indoctrinated individuals at the local level, they fully believe they represent the future. And they believe that they have a moral imperative to convince you and I to accept that vision and accept their values. This 
friends, is that shift in consciousness the Global Vision Local Voice report was talking about. So you think about 25 years ago, they were planning this, and right now we are seeing the fruits of that planning come to fruition, right? We're seeing it play out right now. And so the question is, what can we do to shift this consciousness back to reality? Let's get back to reality. Get your head out of the clouds and get your feet back in the dirt, my friends. Here's what I think, friends. You know, it's a damn good question. What can we do? I believe the answer is telling our own stories, crafting our own narratives, working to draw the woke into meaningful conversations. We must appeal to their ego. We must appeal to their sense of cosmopolitan sophistication. No matter how misplaced it is, friends, that's a sure access point for conversation. And I think perhaps the best phrase right now to to hijack their sensitivity would be to talk about rethinking the social contract. That's a buzz term that's threaded throughout the great narrative. And I'd like to get into that, but I see the time here going a little bit long, getting a little bit late, friends. Uh, I, I just, I'm probably getting a little ahead of myself here. You know, you might be thinking, Luke, Luke, what the hell are you talking about? You damn pacifist. You know, you can't talk to these people. It's like arguing with a fence post. They won't listen. That's fair, friends. I get it. I do not disagree. I'm simply suggesting that we try a new approach and rethink how we tell our story, okay? They're trying to redefine the social contract. We need to figure out how to retell and rethink the social contract to get back to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the constitutional republic for which it stands, okay? All that good stuff. Uh, Lest you think this is a lost cause, I think it's really critical to understand what's at stake here. And I want you to consider three irrefutable facts, okay? Number one. The global cabal has been perfecting their message for decades. True or false? Number two, they have been prolifically promoting their message with a very sophisticated communication strategy that has effectively changed public perception. True or false? Number three, they are convincing people that you and I are the enemy much faster than we are convincing people that American principles are worth preserving. Friends, am I wrong? Can you argue with any three of those three facts? I don't believe, I mean, you can. If you let me know in the comments below if you think you got something to say about it. But here's the thing they are creating enemies. They want us to fight. They want civil war to lead to the collapse of existing society. Why? Because they believe they have convinced enough people there is a better way. People who will be happy to embrace the new social contract that enshrines the socialist principles of the new world order. Friends, bloodshed is not the solution. I guarantee you do not have enough bullets to fight this beast. We cannot win this war unless we start winning hard and minds. Do you recall that old song? We fired our guns, but the British kept it coming. Wasn't quite as many as there was a while ago. Fired once more, and they began a running down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Whoa, whoa. I'll tell you what, friends. Things have changed since then. And from here on out, the commies will keep on coming. And they will come in droves, each successive wave being fully convinced that they alone will emerge the victors in this great global story, friends. And I firmly believe our only hope is to convince them otherwise. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart and click that heart. Give me some love. Subscribe. If you have not subscribed already, of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh,